Well, um, there was an old grandpa who was uh, sitting in his armchair and he's having a snooze. I'm a grandfather now, so I kind of qualify in that area. But I don't have a beard like this, uh, this particular grandfather did. And he was having a snooze. And while he was sleeping, his sneaky little grandchild came in and sprinkled parmesan cheese in his moustache. That's not a very nice thing to do, is it? Anyway, Grandpa kind of woke up a little while later, and um, when he woke up, he, uh, he went, <laughs> a bit of a sniff, and he says, my God, this, this lounge room stinks. <laughs> anyway, he walked out and uh, went into the kitchen, another little sniff, and he went, my God, this... This kitchen stinks. He then went into his bedroom, and guess why? He another sniff, and he went, "My God, this this bedroom stinks." Then he went outside, and then he starts sniffing around. He goes, "My God, the whole world stinks." That's what a dad. That's a dad joke. That one. Yeah. Yeah. yeah store that one up. You know, for some people, um, well, for all of us, um, there's a great song by uh, um, You Always Take the Weather With You, that band, Split End, Crowded House, that, I was going to say New Zealand band, but they're not a New Zealand band, uh, Crowded House, You Always Take the Weather with, with Us. Wherever we go, we kind of, either, either the world stinks or the world is good depending on our frame of reference. And last Sunday, we briefly looked at a rather cryptic um, statement that Jesus made uh, in uh, Matthew 6, verses 22 to 23. He says, The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body uh, will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, um, your whole body will be full of darkness. And last week I just briefly explained that Jesus wasn't talking about our, our physical eyes. He wasn't talking about our, 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 our eyesight. But what he was doing, he was um, uh, speaking metaphorically here. And um, he was speaking about our inner perspective or our inner vision, the way that we view ourselves, the way that we view um, others, the way that we view our circumstances, and the way that we view God. Um, and um, the word there, healthy, that Jesus uses is a, is, is a little um, Greek word, which means uh, big um, or positive or generous. It's you know, some people just walk around and they're just naturally positive. They just kind of see things from a really healthy perspective. And I love being around those kinds of people that just they take on life, no matter what the circumstances are for them, they just kind of see things through an op optimistic lens. How many optimists do we have here today? Naturally. That's great. Fantastic. Then we have, um, uh, we can um, look at life through another lens. And Jesus said it's an un unhealthy way of viewing the world. And that way is, uh, that word, that little, little word there, unhealthy in the Greek language, means small or negative or stingy or painful or difficult. That's what that word means. How many, how many um, pessimists? Do we have here? I'm not going to ask that question. And when Jesus is talking about our, our, our whole body, he's talking about our life, our, our world. And so what happens is our perspective 
affects everything. It affects the way that we, as I said, as we look at ourselves, as we look at others, look at our circumstances, and look at God. And for some people, the world just smells like roses. It doesn't matter what is going on around about them. That just life is, life is good despite the circumstances. And for other people, no matter how wonderful things uh, might be, the world smells like parmesan cheese. And I think if we're honest, there's uh, at least, I think at least being honest about myself anyway, there's certain areas in which I'm really optimistic in and other areas which I'm kind of, I lean in towards, my bias goes towards pessimism. So when it comes to finances, I've grown up in a, in a family where my parents were such wonderful providers. And I just walk around with a natural anticipation that no matter how tough things might have been for us at various times in our lives, God is going to provide. I just have that optimistic kind of approach to finances. Other areas of my life, I'm not quite as optimistic. And I think that's probably true for most of us, isn't it? Some areas we have a bias towards optimism and other areas to which we're a little bit negative. So the, the um, Cambridge Dictionary des describes optimism as the quality of being full of hope and emphasising the good parts of a situation or a belief that something good will happen. Uh, pessimism is um, emphasising or thinking of the bad part of a situation rather than the good part. Or the feeling that bad things are more likely to happen than good things. Winston Churchill um, has a, a, quite a famous quote regarding the differences between uh, pessimists and optimists. And he says, a or he said, a pessimist sees the difficulty in every opportunity, whereas an optimist sees the opportunity in every difficulty. Oh, it's a great, great little statement. As I've been reflecting on, on pessimism over um, the last couple of days, um, and this is just my definition, I haven't got this from anywhere else other than my own reflection, is I think to a, a large degree, pessimism is grounded in a fear um, of lack or loss. A pessimism is a tendency to have a fear of lack or a, a, a fear of loss. So uh, we, we're afraid that we just don't have the ability to um, match the challenge that we might be facing. So we kind of feel daunted or pessimistic about um, how, how, well we, how well we might perform. Or we, have a, we feel like we lack confidence or we, we, we may not step into a situation because we fear that we might lose our reputation. Or we might fear that we lack resources or the resources that we do have are not enough or somehow we might lose our resources. Does that make sense? So pessimism is, is, is grounded in a fear of, um, of lack or loss. In Numbers um, chapter 13, um, um, Moses um, sends out 12 spies to assess um, the land of Canaan, the promised land. And this little story provides us a great, um, with a great illustration of, of optimism and pessimism and the importance of optimism um, from a biblical perspective. 
So in uh, Numbers 13, verses 1 to 3, um, uh, the Lord said to Moses, Send some men to explore the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the Israelites. From each ancestral tribe, send one of its leaders. So at the Lord's command, Moses sent them out. Then it goes on to say a little bit later on in, 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 the, um, in, in, the, in the chapter, so these um, 12, 12 spies or 12 leaders are sent out to explore the land of Canaan. They have a look around and um, after 40 days of, of, of exploring the land, they come back and they provide Moses with um, some feedback. And it says, at the end of 40 days, they returned from exploring the land. And they came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community and gave this account. We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. That's a metaphor. It's kind of, it's bountiful. It's rich. There were grapes that required um, two men to kind of carry. So there was, it, it's, it's very, very, very uh, lush. And, and, and they said, here is its fruit. But there are some big buts in the Bible. The Bible is full of big buts. And this is one of those big but moments. It's a big but pessimistic. That was actually another dad joke, but not very many of you responded to that. There were a couple of little smirks there and people were kind of wondering, shall I laugh or not? No, I better not. Um, you are allowed to laugh in church. So this was a big but moment. Let me rewind. Press the rewind button. Pretend I haven't said anything. This is one of those big but moments in the Bible. <laughs> Thank you. That's good. This moment where things changed. They saw um, this was a, was, a, was a land flowing with, with milk and honey. There was a lot of potential here in this place. But this is the report they brought back. But the people who live there are powerful. And the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw giants there. Jet. There were giants there. Is that scary? Oh, very, very scary. There were giants, the land of the giants. And um, they go on to say, we can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. The land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we, we, are, we saw there are of great size. So 10 leaders, that, 10 of the 12 that were sent out, come back um, with the report um, to Moses of what they'd seen. They said, look, it's a great land. There's, there's lots of, um, of uh, great fruit and um, uh, it's very, very lush. But... The land is full of giants. I mean, they've got muscles. on. They look like Steve Sutton. They've got muscles on their muscles. Their women have got beards. I mean, they're just, they're, 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 they're massive. The cities are big, and, and, um, and they've got these fortified walls that we will not be able to penetrate. We can't. Despite the fact that God said they could, they said we can't. They were pessimistic. And the problem with um, uh, pessimism is that not only does it distort our past um, and does it limit our present, but it also sabotages our future. And this was a, a defining moment in Israel's history. Because of pessimism, um, 
this, not just this uh, group of 10 leaders, but the whole community of Israel were unable to enter in and possess what was actually their destiny. Pessimism has the capacity to rob us of what rightfully belongs to us. And the other problem with pessimism is it has a tendency to be quite contagious. And it's interesting, I wonder how many of those spies actually went into that land negative to begin with. I wonder if it was just began with one spy who went, ooh, they look a little bit, you know, those giants are big giants. You know, there's small giants and big giants, but these are big giants. I wonder if it just maybe started with one negative comment that just kind of rollercoasted a little bit and became bigger to the point where there were 10 spies were, were affected. However, there were two, two leaders who had seen the same giants, the same big cities with the same fortified walls, but they had a completely different story to tell because they were optimists. In verse 30, it says, Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, We should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. So two groups of people, the weak hearts and the weak hands, the, the pessimists and the optimists. And the difference between the, the I can't, or we can't, and the weak hands was just perspective. One group had a healthy eye, Joshua and Caleb. They saw things from a, a generous, from a, a large, positive perspective. And the ten spies looked at the same land through a very, very different lens. They saw the problems and, and the obstacles. And it wasn't the giants that defeated um, Israel. It was the mentality of ten people who said, we can't do it. We're all probably guilty of, um, of pessimism from time to time. I remember um, my parents used to live in Warrnambool, and, uh, and at the time uh, we lived in um, Newcastle, New South Wales, and we used to drive down to visit my parents, and we'd drive the 16 hours down and the 16 hours back with three kids in the back of the car, and we were, we'd been in Warrnambool and had some, some time um, uh, with my parents and we were driving back. And so we jumped in the car. I was really, really positive. 16 hours, three kids. This is going to be fun. You know? So we started off, we're driving along and we're singing, with Christ in my vessel I can smile at the storm. You know, we're singing songs just to kind of get the journey underway. After 10 minutes, after 10 minutes, the kids... Exactly, ten, 10 minutes. Are we there yet? We've got, another, we've got another 15 hours and 50 minutes to go. So I kind of my, my anxiety levels are kind of just a little bit edgy, you know. And then, and then we're about 15 or 20 minutes in the journey. We're sort of out of Warrnambool and we're in the country. And then one of the kids wants to stop and have a toilet break. And so I start to kind of lose it a little bit. And so I start making comments like, we will never get there. We will never, and just lose, look at me, she rolls her eyes. We'll, 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 never, we'll never get home at this rate, you know. So anyway, 
I pull over uh, the car. Um, one of the kids does what they have to do by the side, side of the road, jump back in again, start the car, and we're not going anywhere because we've bogged. <laughs> we're in Victoria where it rains. And so then I start saying really rational things like, we're never going to get out of here. <laughs> we're stuck. We'll never be able to move the car. And the more I'm kind of spinning, the deeper we're sinking. And I just lose the plot, you know, just like, we'll never get out of here. We're stuck. What are we going to do? And Louise says, let's just, let's just pray. Pray? Pray? What's the good of praying? What's the point of praying? We're stuck. We're never going to get, we'll never get home. Lou just says, let's just pray. She sees, in this situation, she's the optimist, I'm the pessimist. No sooner had we said amen to, the, to, this, to our, her prayer, not my prayer, her prayer, of God, come and, come and help us. This wonderful farmer came from nowhere in his four-wheel drive. We didn't kind of wave him down or anything like that. He just pulled up, pulled out his uh, whatever farmers have on their four-wheel drives, tied it around our car and whipped us up, whipped us out of there and then we're back on the road singing, you know, for, you know with Christ in my vessel I can smile at the storm, you know. I'm not sure why I told that story, but anyway. You know, being optimistic is not having a Pollyanna kind of attitude. You know, like Poly, in the story of Pollyanna where everything is, you know, like this, it's a very, very naive uh, approach to life and problems. We're not saying uh, optimism is not denying reality and the difficulties of life. It's just framing them, particularly for us, those of us who are followers of God, it actually brings God into the picture. That's, what I'm, that's why I told that story, is that, that optimism doesn't deny the fact that we're bogged, doesn't deny the fact that this is going to be a really long journey. It just chooses to bring God into the situation. Whereas pessimism, like in my, my um, response to that situation, was leaving, excluding God from the circumstance. So look, time, we've got a picnic to go to. So just two very quick points, uh, very practical, simple things that I believe that we can do, that we each and every one of us can implement these things in our lives from today, if when we find ourselves leaning into that place of pessimism. Uh, we want to cultivate a good eye. Number one, count your blessings. Count your blessings. This is the number one thing that we can do. And this is not just a biblical um, truth. This is, a, this is a truth that's borne out by, 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 by research, by, by science, that... When we choose to be thankful and grateful, even for the little things that we have in life, it increases our level of positivity. There's that old hymn, it says, when upon life's billows you are tempest-tossed. <laughs> what a great little line that one is. Only Christians would sing that. <laughs> when upon, upon life's billows you are tempest-tossed, when you are discouraged thinking all is lost, Count your many blessings, name them one by one. Very good. 
We could, but we're not. <laughs> we're trying to drag the church into the 21st century. We're trying to get there. And we won't be singing Count Your Blessings. Not this morning, anyway. Um, the great Roman orator Cicero um, wrote, Gratitude is not only the greatest of virtues, but the parent of all the others. It just seems that gratitude, there's something within gratitude that snaps us out of pessimism and takes us into a, a, a positive place. Gratitude is attributing a benefit that we have received to another. It's a great little statement. Gratitude is attributing a benefit we have received to another. And that's why I think faith is so valuable. What it does, it provides us with someone outside of ourselves to acknowledge as the source of the good things that we enjoy. In other words, it says that we are not the source or the originator um, of everything good that's in our life. There is somebody out there who looks after us and provides for us and is the source of the blessing in our, in our lives. And so regularly being grateful for little things such as friendships and family and, 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 and meals is proven to facilitate a more positive attitude. Builds, it builds a positivity. It makes our eye healthy. And then the second thing that I believe as followers of Jesus is really, really helpful for us in terms of, of shifting from pessimism into a, a, a healthier place of optimism is actually understanding that God cares for us. Pessimism is expecting bad things to occur to us. Hope, and this is a beautiful definition of hope, hope is the anticipation or the expectation of good. Pessimism is the anticipation of something bad. And we see um, the expectation of bad in the lives of the disciples in a little event that took place when Jesus was taking them on a ferry trip from, um, from Sorrento to Queenscliff one time. So Jesus was taking his, his disciples from, Queen, uh, from Sorrento to Queenscliff. And in Mark chapter 4, it says that when evening came, Jesus said to his disciples... Let's go over to the other side. Just that one little line. Let's go over to the other side. Where are they going? They go to Queenscliff. That's where they're off to. They're off from Sereno to Queenscliff. This is, Je this is Jesus. This is the Son of God has made this statement. We're going from here to here. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also others with him. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped, and Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him up and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? Don't you care? You know, when difficulties arise in our lives... Thing that is being challenged is does God really care for us? And in this situation, the disciples, despite the fact that Jesus said we're, we're going from um, Sorrento to Queenscliff, 
the moment trouble began to brew, they began to question the promise and the word of God into their lives. And they actually questioned whether God really cared for them. And so they move into this, this mode of pessimism. They're expecting to go down with the ship. The battle that we face when every difficulty or crisis arrives in our lives is, does God really care for me? Remember I said that pessimism for, for us is rooted in a lack, or a, a fear of lack or loss. In this situation, the disciples were fearing the loss of their life. Their life. Jesus was constantly trying to reframe, reframe people's perspective of God. And his emphasis was on helping people see that God is like a loving parent who will provide and protect them. In Matthew 6, Jesus said, Therefore I tell you, do not worry, do not be pessimistic about your life. What you will eat or about your body, what you will wear, is, is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. Do, they do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. He provides for them. He looks after them. He goes on to talk about you know, the, the birds of the field, and if one of those sparrows fall from the sky, the, the Father knows that. The Father sees. The Father understands. The Father cares. And if we want to reduce pessimism in our lives, we not only have to be grateful and cultivate thankfulness in our lives, we have to take time to reflect on God being our loving parent who does care for us. What kind of eye does God have? Does God look at things through a filter of pessimism or through a filter of optimism? That's not a rhetorical question. How does God look at you, look at the world, look at the future? Is, is God, by nature, an optimist or a pessimist? He's an optimist. By nature, God is optimistic. And if that is what God is like uh, within his being then that should challenge us when we are inclined towards pessimism to become more like God and allow God um, to shift our perspective and the way that we view things. We don't have time to talk about this now, but one thing I would love us to explore at some point is we all have an individual eye. We all have a a bias towards pessimism or optimism. But there is another dynamic at play as well, and that there is a corporate eye. Groups of people together look at things through a certain lens. And my question to Bayview is, as a congregation, as a community, do we together have an optimistic eye or a pessimistic eye? 
when we gather together, how, how do we view ourselves and view our circumstances, view others, and most importantly, how do we view God? And that's a big, big question that you can discuss this week in your, um, in your life groups. Let's, uh, let's finish our service and pray. Let's, why don't we stand this morning as we conclude our service and... Um,